Hello and welcome to season two, episode 10. And before we kick off the episode, I want to thank my sponsor, Beautiful Inside and Out, for supporting this podcast. Beautiful Inside and Out are a registered Scottish charitable organisation who help bereaved parents, children, siblings and partners of suicide victims or help anyone who is troubled for any reason whatsoever. They also offer short and long-term counselling sessions face-to-face or online as well as group sessions, play therapy, music, drama and art therapy while raising awareness in schools and places of work. This organisation is so, so close to my heart. It's helped me out in so many ways, including counselling and constant support after the passing of my dad. Please do make sure to give them a like and follow on Facebook and share their page to whoever you might feel is in need for it, whether it be for yourself or someone close to you in your life. Beautiful Inside and Out are such an inspiring and wonderful charity and I couldn't have asked for a better sponsor. Now on with the episode. Today on McHugh Corner, I have the beautiful Grace Nichols speaking with me about one of the most difficult and personal struggles in her life, her struggles with an eating disorder, which up until now, she has kept completely secret. This is something that she's struggled with over the past 10 years, sometimes managing her eating disorder and at certain stages of her life, having it completely take over her day to day. This is an incredibly open conversation and Grace is so, so brave for being so honest with me and her experiences. And please just disclaimer that neither me or Grace are medical professionals. Grace speaks just about her experiences and I question her about it. And if you find that this might trigger you for personal reasons, it might not be the right listen for you, but this is such an informative and eye-opening chat. So hopefully it is for you as well. And here's Grace. Okay, so today on my podcast, I've got Grace Nicol talking about something that's really personal to her and I actually only found out about a couple of weeks ago when Grace messaged me and it's something that's been in the public light quite a lot at the moment. It's been kind of circulating around media after a documentary with Freddie Flintoff and me and Grace have been speaking over the past couple of weeks about doing a podcast together about this and I'll just kind of leave it to Grace to kind of explain what it is that we're going to talk about today. Yeah, I suppose you're going to leave me to do the nitty-gritty bit of it, like, <laughs> reveal all. It's kind of like a take-me-out, single-person reveal themselves. So <laughs> 11 years ago, when I was just coming up to being between 16 and 17 year, uh, years old, I developed what was an eating disorder without realising its extents and how it can progress onwards. So back when I was a lot younger, I was a very heavier girl I was near 16 stone and was really heavy and just was carefree innocent didn't care was happy that's probably the important thing was happy didn't care we didn't have social media we had the likes of Bebo and nobody really posted pictures so like you never seen anybody that looked perfect and you know you were happy in yourself as a young person so the weight the weight definitely paid the weight definitely piled on slightly so when I was going out with a boy, mm-hmm. he he was heard by myself saying when it was coming up to Valentine's Day, oh, I'm not going to buy her a Valentine's Day gift, chocolates or anything like that, because she has had enough. Wait, so you and, heard this? Yeah, so I had overheard this. Um, oh my God. On Valentine's Day. Uh, I was assuming I was getting a present, but alas, not to be. And I just heard him say, she's had enough anyway. Shit. From then on, I know, from then on, it was just like, well, 
really and it was more like a revenge kind of thing like i'm gonna oh, yeah. lose weight i'm gonna show you i will show you what you're missing like Gemma collins you ain't, you're gonna wish you had this candy <laughs> kind of thing yeah so yeah. it started off very innocent as i said still just trying to lose weight a nice healthy way um started off by just looking what i was eating i was eating ridiculous amounts like microwavable chips microwavable pizza toast with butter and sugar because that's what they taught us how to make at school cinnamon toast and just sweets 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 muffins no diet just no water no nothing no exercise so Mm -hmm. what i decided to do was just strip it back and start at the gym it started off for a year being really good for me i lost weight and then in the summer holidays i found out that you know if i accidentally didn't have breakfast like if i didn't have my breakfast stuff in that week i would lose more weight yeah so breakfast became not a thing and then one week compartment of my lunchbox would disappear before you know it you're not having lunch you're just surviving on an apple some pepsi max is what i would drink what is this for your lunch yeah you well, you would eat your apple little bits at a time throughout the day just to keep you going just to give you something yeah Uh, i would wrap it up in a tissue paper from the, the school toilets or something put it in my bag Pepsi Max was like virtually no calories so I'd drink till I was full it would make me feel satisfied and then I'd have my dinner which would be a max of 400 calories I reckon or maybe even less was anybody monitoring that like your parents at the time I don't think my parents really noticed to begin with and it's not because of like neglect or anything they were just we were just all very busy Um, I then like obviously shed a lot of lot of weight and I remember coming back from school one summer holiday I remember coming back to school one summer holiday sorry and um one girl had lost a lot more weight than I did and was coming to school to tell everybody she was going into a rehabilitation clinic and it was big big news across the school oh my goodness this person's got anorexia she's not going to be here tomorrow she's just coming to say goodbye now I had watched this girl at the gym very strange thing to do yeah, 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 yeah. I remember her being in the the office where you get your late slips <laughs> and being there and listening to the whole thing. And I remember going back to registration being like, I've just seen so-and-so. She looks like a ghost. But I'd watched her throughout the whole summer holidays doing the same gym stuff as I was, chatting away to her, hoping she was going to be there tomorrow, see you there tomorrow, not knowing Aww. the full extent of like her life. So when I came back to school, having lost my weight too, a friend of mine, well, I say a friend, a friend that I thought was my friend, had said to me, it's your fault she's like that, you know. And I thought to myself, what? Where, where do I play a part in this? I, I don't know the girl that well, apart from saying hello to her. So your gym. friend said this to you? How did she I, even know that you were speaking to her? Uh, well, I would always be at the gym. Always oh, at right, the gym. Uh, gym was very exposed. We had, like, glass panels that looked from a cafe in, so you could see who was at the gym. And, you know, people were at the cafe, they'd always be like well there's grace or I'd be coming in and out or I'd just be maybe vocal about the fact that I was at the gym mm-hmm. so we, we were always there together I just was saying hello and then to find out that she had went to rehab never really clicked with me I was just like oh well that's crap oh well that's a shame I hope she gets better not knowing in my head that I'm doing exactly the same thing to yeah. me I'm just losing weight and everybody thinks I look great yeah. so of, of course I'm looking great I'm lost the weight but mentally not really doing very well I then like continued this on and kept exercising to the point where it was like ex- like a 
huge extent of exercise. I was made house captain in my school, so that meant going to sporting events and as well as going to the gym. So I'd be walking to and from school to get there, rain or shine, as long as I got my exercise. I'd patch the bus. I would walk to the streets for lunch because you could either stay in school or walk down the street. So I'd walk down the street again. How much weight did you lose? I lost... I lost from being just about 16 stone because I remember saying to myself, I'm not going to be the age of 16 or 16 stone, I'm going to change this. So I went from 16 to round about 12 and a half in a very short period of time, maybe less than a year. When you look at what I was eating, you can understand why it just fell off. Yeah. But then from being 12 stone over the next few years, it went 12 stone, 9 stone. And having been such a big weight... Wow. People might say to you on your BMI chart, oh, nine stone, you're fa- fairly healthy. Wait for your age and your height, that's fine. But when you go from it in a, such a huge extent to them being nine stone, people go, oh my God, Yeah. look at her, look at her. But again, you kind of get that thrill as well. Like, I guess people noticing how fast you've lost it. So it becomes like a cycle in your head, I guess. Do you know what? I actually enjoy people feeling worried about me. Yeah. That, I, I couldn't put a finger on why it was just nice that people were noticing the fact that I was either looking good and still kind of thrived upon the fact that people were worried that yeah. I looked bad it was it was an odd sensation but losing all that weight in a short period of time was properly evident the fact I was eating 500 calories maybe and burning 2000 maybe even more I had zero energy levels and you could really see bones through me but for some reason I absolutely loved it. It then got to the point where you get in a relationship and you get comfortable and you're eating and you're drinking. So again, I put on a stone. Going Mm -hmm. from nine to ten stone doesn't seem like much to a regular person, but people would comment, oh, oh, you're looking a lot healthier now that you've put the weight on. And I'd be like, what? All of a sudden I'd be triggered. I'd be like, I need to to lose weight, I need to lose weight, I need to lose weight. But I was really enjoying this nice, new, comfortable lifestyle with this new boy who loved me because obviously I've lost weight and that's the only reason why he'd loved me. That's why, that's why, that's why. Because obviously the the, the previous boyfriend didn't like a fat one. So I was like, right, well, I need to lose weight because otherwise this boyfriend's going to lose interest in me if I put weight on and everyone's noticing. So I I didn't know how to balance the two out. Eat what I want and drink what I want. Still have a boyfriend and lose weight at the same time. How do you do that? And I was going to theatre school at the time from Campbelltown to Glasgow every Saturday. And these girls that I was going to theatre school with and friends with had the same issue. How did they lose weight? Majority of them were dancers. And they suggested, why don't you take laxatives? Mm. Now, still my food intake was pretty low. So my body was only kind of surviving on little bits at a time. But then when with the new boyfriend, I'd be like eating loads. So how do I get rid of that? And the dancers would all be like, yeah, take laxatives, quick solution. You're eating some stuff at the weekend with your boyfriend, that'll get rid of it. Really? Now, looking at them, I'd be like, well, they're skinny as, they're beautiful. I'll do it if they do it. I'll just skip forward. So I was like a druggie. If I didn't have them, what would I do? I'd be paranoid, I'd be crying, I'd be scared. I'd be like, oh my God, I can't go out, I can't go do things, I can't socialise because I'm going to be bloated and people will notice and people will say things. It just overtook your mind. Not Mm. to mention, they're very expensive. So if you don't have money, if you become a student like I did, what do you prioritise? Getting your tablets or eating? Paying bills, what do you want to do? How old were you at this point? 
I would have been, when I was going to university, I would have been about 18, just coming up to being 19. So the eating disorder went on for ages, from the age of 16, being a bit of anorexia, obviously just cutting the food. And then by the time I'd met my boyfriend when I was 17-ish, 18 years old, I just went downhill. I was having a great time on the outside, everybody thought, because I was yeah. with, this, with this new person. But as soon as I got into like my, ni- my 19th year... I was highly dependent on these tablets, not eating anything, over-exercising, and that's when I realised that I had bulimia. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to do anything about it because I was about to start uni and I can't go to rehab like that girl did because yeah. she had to stop school and she had to stop her, her university degree the next year. She Everything had to go and hold. And I couldn't do that because I've not got time. I need to do my uni. So I could have, at that time taken a year out maybe I've sorted myself out in a hospital and then carried on but it was too inconvenient for me so I, I just also think on. I also think that like the way that I sometimes think the hospitals maybe deal with it is not so understanding I think it's Don't, probably a lot more like you need to eat and we'll monitor you like you're some sort of psycho. From the age of 16 to this point now, it's not like my mum and that didn't notice to the point where they were like sitting me down like you're saying, going, you need to eat. But yeah. I think the more you force that down somebody with an eating disorder's throat, pardon the pun, the more yeah. they don't want to. Like, I don't want help because you're making me. I will get exactly, help on my yeah. own. It has to be an understanding sort of thing, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Rather than... Because um, I was actually watching this documentary like the other day. It was... It was on, it's actually on YouTube. It was called Thin. I don't know if you've ever watched it. It was no. like a more for when that used to be a thing um, documentary. And it was back from 2006. And all these girls had different eating disorders, whether it be anorexia or bulimia or something like that. And um, the way that they were treated was so bad. It was like like condescending sometimes and just, why, why can't you not just eat? And mm-hmm. once, you, once you get over this, then you can be normal. And it's like, all of these people that have have never obviously dealt with an eating disorder telling people with eating disorders how to feel and think it's like it's so way off trying to help somebody out who's going through that you know it's what I mean? interesting you say that if i went to a gp or two when i was still living at home and it's just like right here's a here's a meeting to go meet a psychiatrist or a, a dietitian they go make a note of your food why have you not ate? This is why I'm not eight. Oh, please yeah. try and eat next week. Yeah, okay. I know. It's just I'm obviously mental. not going to. You're not making me feel any better about this. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is a food that's high in fibre. I don't care. I'm not eating it. Mm-hmm. But I suppose that's where the next step would have lay, going to some sort of rehabilitation clinic. But it's interesting you mentioned the likes of that documentary thing that you're on about. I don't know if it's worth saying, but I found my research and all of my information on how to become bulimic from watching programs that tell you not to be bulimic. Yeah. Super size yeah. versus super skinny, my absolute bible. I watched the super skinny person, what do they do? Right, I'll do it. Yeah. I'll copy it. Right. Watching oversized ones like um America's Biggest Loser, seeing how they eat and being like, well, I'll obviously not do that, but look at all the over exercising they're doing to lose weight in a short period of time. Yeah. You pick up so many tricks of the trade by watching things that are supposed to make you not want to do it i know all this stuff was just gathering in my mind i'm trying so many different things to the point where i look back on photos now and i am skin and bones the lightest i got was eight and a half but nobody would believe that i would be eight and a half it looks 
like I'm six stone. Really? It's, it's haunting. It really is haunting. Like, because I've not seen any time, photos of you like that. Like since I've known you. Uh, I'll maybe try and whip out a, a one yeah. of either end for you. Yeah, show me some <laughs> later. Yeah. But it was weird. I I uh, oh. We all have different body types, right? Whether you're an apple, a pear, or an hourglass. But my body shape's a pear. So even though I'm so thin, my body shape's still in that pear shape. And my legs are still a little bit, now, by a smidge. But to me, it wasn't a smidge. Mm. My legs are bigger than my arms. My legs were the last to lose weight. That's all you focus on. Oh, my legs are so big. Oh, my legs are so big. My legs are so big. How do I lose weight my legs? You're not noticing just how small you're getting. Your mind is absolutely corrupt and I look back now going how could I think that but I stayed up all night crying one night just because of a photograph I'd taken and my legs were too big yeah they're 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 nothing there there was nothing to me and I was embarrassed hair stopped growing from not just my head but my eyebrows didn't grow back in I have really? half eyebrows. I, I didn't know how to really draw them in back then. I moved on now. But they were literally like little lines because my hair wouldn't grow back. Periods stopped for over two years. How bad it's, did it get like? It got to the point where all I was surviving on, and this is during my student years, and it's probably worse during my student years because there's nobody to really keep an eye on you. I did yeah. have my, boy, my boyfriend at the time who, of course, loves you no matter what and doesn't want to fall out with you. But at the yeah, same time, yeah. wants the best for you. So I found myself probably eating 300 calories and that would come from wow. a very specifically weighed bag of pick mix from Wilkinson weighing in at about 56 pence. It was all so the same So it wasn't even one. like nutritious 300 calories. It was sweet. Anything to give you that buzz, right? Anything. Yeah. I would have that in the morning and spread it out throughout the day. Little bits of sweeties. Oh give my you the fucking sugar God. Buzz. I'd be going to the gym, going to a class, walking everywhere. That was it. And bizarrely, I was surviving on that. You give that to me today, boy, I'll be a moody, moody cow. But back then it was, I could do it. I don't know if it's just because I was young or my body just trained itself to it. I was also going for sunbeds and shake plates, if you've ever heard of them. Because is, that, is that the ones that you stand on the thing and it kind of yeah, like works off totally for you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. vibrate you. But the thing with the vibration plates was, I started it off because I thought, I'm going to lose weight. And I started the sunbeds because I was told if you sweat, you will lose weight. So I was doing it all at once. Gym, sunbeds, shake plates... And then came the whole bang. I was in Edinburgh with my other half and he had brought like a little picnic to have at the hotel before we went out. Like just a little bit of meats and cheeses, some couscous. We went out for one drink. I could not stay out any longer. Not because I was drunk, but because I was in pain. My oh, belly... My made me look like I was about to give birth. My be- I've never seen a belly like it. It was not because of my, like, the, not because of the way I seen myself, because of eating disorder, but it genuinely had just exploded. It okay. was huge. I couldn't understand what was going on. It just continued from there onwards. I couldn't drink white wine anymore. I couldn't drink pints of cider. I could only do on a night out shots of Sambuca. Now, all my friends will be like, oh, I know Grace, she loves shots, she loves shots, she's a shot girl. I only did it because my friends were getting drunk and I couldn't drink WKDs and quantity. I could only drink quality, if you will. So a couple of shots, that's me, Mary. But you know what shots are like. They will get you absolutely steaming. Plus my weight. 
And I was like, I, I really don't understand why my body can't take lots of different substances anymore. It's like it's rejecting it. Yeah. I then thought to myself, what will I do now? How do I, how do I get about this? So I went back to the doctors and they said, you have IBS, which is a label they stick on pretty much anything if you're a girl and you've got a sore belly. Yeah, that's still true, actually. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've been told I have that before, just because I had like some period cramps. Very strange. I found myself just eating a lot of absolute shit. Like I wasn't eating shit before, just anything high in sugar, anything sugary that was liquid that I could sip slowly to the point where my body regurgitated it back up. Why were you doing that? It was the only thing I could take in. I I needed energy. I couldn't eat food. I was drinking little bits of like, say maybe a can of Monster and taking a whole day to drink it. I'd be having sugary sweets to give me the boost because I knew I could take it. Anything with high sugar my belly could take, but my my body wouldn't keep it down. It would regurgitate it back up. And it was like acid reflux all the time to the point where my teeth were getting really, really bad. Oh, God. It it was awful. And of course, you know when you get like a bit of reflux, it burns I hate acid reflux more than anything. Mm -hmm. Like, oh my goodness. I'd go out for maybe a meal with my boyfriend and we'd have proper food. It would come straight back up again. It was just the whole stomach just was ruined. I found out from going through to, I think it was Bishop Briggs or Briggs, somewhere in Glasgow to get a lovely thing called a, is it a colonoscopy? Where they stick a camera and a tube up your bum. Oh, really? Oh, I thought, they t- I thought they put it down your throat. Oh, no, no, no. So what goes up is like a tube. I'm sure you're going to love this, right? And a tiny, tiny camera to see yeah. what, what exactly is happening. So she was like a lovely, lovely specialist. It cost a few hundred pounds yeah um, and she says you are either one of two things you've either destroyed your lining of your stomach quite badly to the point where the food that's coming down won't stay down and it's bouncing back up like a trampoline or the other thing is you may be intolerant to something because i can see there's a lot of things not being digested here or there's a third option and i was like what's the third option she goes it's both and long story short it was both I can't eat various different types of things with wheat in it, um, particularly things that are really cheap, like cocktail sausages. I can't. I'll be out the game. You want a night out with me? Don't give me a cocktail sausage. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I will not be able to come out and um, destroyed a good layer of my stomach lining just from abusing it with laxatives. Really, drinking, drinking things with high sugar, the acid reflux coming back up and then going back down. She, she told me loads of different things and it all just clicked and made sense. Of course, I took all this information to a local GP and they told me, no, it's IBS. So did you, at this point, when you say it came back up, is that because you were making it come back up or is that just Not natural? At all. Not at all. There were times during my bulimia when I was younger where I'd try and make myself sick, but it got to the point where I was like, this is bloody hard. This is really hard. It hurts. Your eyes are streaming. It's honestly, it was not worth the hassle. And that's obviously where I was like, well, I'll just stick to the laxatives because they're easy peasy. I take them before dinner time. I get up in the morning. I go to the toilet. Easy peasy. Did they actually make a significant difference? Huge difference. Did they? Wow. What I would say is it's not just the laxatives that would make the difference. I'm not eating anything. I'm exercising. Yeah. It's a combination of them all. I look at myself today. I still exercise, don't over-exercise. I eat semi-healthily and I'm taking the laxatives. If the laxatives were doing their job, I would be 
skin and bones right now. But that's just not the case. It was a combination of just over-exercising, not eating, and taking anything that was in my system out again within minutes. It started off 16 tablets a day. Wow. From what I can remember anyway. I can remember having a whole pack. And they have various different kinds. They have Senna, which is really gritty. Yeah. They have Dulcolax, which is tiny, tiny, tiny little sugar capsules. Or they had the ones that the dancers always used that was very expensive and it was like a bar of chocolate. It tasted like chocolate. It looked like chocolate. You could eat the whole thing. Zero calories and it would whoosh you right out. Really? A few of the dancers would put um, lactulose, which sometimes is used for babies and older generation to soften your stool and stuff like that it's just syrup it is purely syrup and they would pour it in their drinks and stuff give it a wee shake drink it they would be able to time it and i understand that now you can totally time when taking something and when you'll go so you can plan your day ahead learned that the really hard way <laughs> and, um, what did you did you poop stuff. yourself no never 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 oh, never that's what you just, meant <laughs> just always worried been like oh my god i need to go i need to go could you imagine i wasn't here like you would you would never oh, let yourself do that that would be my worry like oh no touch wood touch wood yeah i know it's as you know what is i always say this to anybody that asks me about it because i've never really spoken about it to anybody apart from family and close friends and only maybe three or four close friends yeah. and i always go yeah bulimia it's shit isn't it like and i always try and make a bit of a joke about it i'm like oh pardon the pan you know lols so but when you add it all up i'm now sat here with acid reflux every day still occurring with bowels that do not work properly yeah and my mental health is slightly better than what it was when i first started i mean i have come on leaps and bounds but mentally it still triggers you there's always something like a comment a phrase a picture, a wrong angle, and then before you know it, you're back on it. You think you're doing so well, and then it turns. Just throughout that whole time, that whole 11 years, I can remember every year going, I'll stop next year, I'll stop next year, to the point where you asked me last night, how long have I been doing that? And I said to myself, well, it's just 10 years. It's just 10 years. I'm not going to do any more than 10. And, well, lo and behold, it's not 10 years. It's over 11. So it just it just keeps going. So what stage do you think that you're currently at? Because when I was watching that um, documentary with Freddie Flintoff, which is kind of what inspired you to speak to me, um, he was kind of like speaking to all of these other people who seemed a lot worse off than him. But then it ended up, in the end, it kind of left on a little bit of a cliffhanger because he actually kind of discovered that he's not really over it. He's kind of still in it, if that makes sense. And he is considering going to speak to somebody about it or do something because he the thing that he kept repeatedly saying is i know i've still got it but it's under control now mm-hmm. and everyone was like well you can say it's under control but you're still doing it yeah. um so how do you feel about that 100 percent. i don't think it ever leaves you ever like a friend of mine who tried to stop smoking she knew it was so bad for her but she couldn't she's like yeah i know it's bad for me but i can't stop it's exactly the same with me i want to stop i just can't in terms of where I am, mentally, so much better, but still, as I say, can be turned. Physically, I mean, I, I obviously I'm not nine stone anymore, or eight and a half, or 16. I'm slap bang, in, slap bang in the middle, I am 11. To me, still a terrifying number, still like, oh my God, oh my God, I'm too big. 
but I am learning to get on with it. I'm happy sometimes. And that brings me way back to when I was 15, like, oh my God, some days I think, oh, I have not thought about it all day. And to me, that's progress. But at the end of the day, just like Freddie Flintoff, I'm still going to do it at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. I've still got to. And I don't know, I'm in a very fine line right now to whether it's my eating disorder making me do it or my body needs it because if I don't, it's going to pack in. I've gone various days where I've gone cold turkey or wean myself off them. And this is the I laxatives you're meaning? Laxatives and the exercise. And if I don't exercise or take them, I can't, I can't go anywhere because I'm so uncomfortable. The doctors that I've spoke to recently say the bellows have packed in. You need to give them time. You need to take some time off your work. You need to give yourself a holiday and time to just let it adapt because if you can't go anywhere and you're uncomfortable, you need to give yourself time to do it at least. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, no, because I've got things on. I've got stuff to do. I can't be doing this. So I push it back and I push it back. But without the tablets, I don't think I can live a normal life. Or is that just my head saying that and I just need to do it? Get over the bloat for a wee while and carry on. So do you still take them on a daily basis? Yeah, I still have them. And it's like, you know, when you meet an older couple and they're like, oh, Jim, where's my pills? Where's my pills? And you you think, oh, pills, yeah, because they're old. I just say to my boyfriend, I'm like, oh, I need to go take my tablets now. Like I've got diabetes or something. And it's like so normal. But there's times where we've been in every every single supermarket in Inverness to try and find them because I'd run out. Really? And the panic sets in. But saying that, years ago, I'd have panicked, cried myself to sleep, had a major panic attack. But if I can't find them, and I have tried every supermarket, still a bit weird, but at the same time, I can can live with it. I can get Mm -hmm. on with it for a few days. Sometimes I say to myself, oh, I've not had a tablet today, I'm quite proud. Like, maybe my body will go back to normal. But my body's not been normal since 2008. <laughs> have, you, have, you, have you tried to, rather than a GP, I guess, have you tried to ever reach out to somebody that specialises in, in eating disorder therapy? Yeah, I've been to a few. Um, I've been to three. One when I was younger. She couldn't have cared less. It's a shame, but that's just how it was. Yeah. It was a small That's how it was then, to be honest. Uh, It was a small town. They just wanted you to sort yourself out and carry on. And if you stopped coming, then that to them was you fixed. Uh, I went to one in Ayr, when I lived in Ayr. Again, it was like, that was the the, the specialist that kept telling me, "You've, you've got IBS, you've got IBS. Make a list of foods that make you feel sick. And I'd do that. And to the point where I just would be like, why am I even turning up each week? You're yeah. not listening to me. You're not taking in how I'm feeling. I've been sent up to New Craig's Hospital in Inverness mm-hmm. to see a specialist. And again, I'm not dissing how they work, but I suppose it takes a lot for me to stick at something and feel the benefits. But or for, Do you know what it is? It's like a gym personal trainer. I need somebody to force me to do things mm-hmm. and to, to come back every week but if you don't come back every week they've got other people to crack on with I just don't feel and also like to anybody feel, listens and also to feel like you want to go back because there's a fine line between yeah. like we were saying earlier somebody forcing you to or like controlling you to do it because that just makes you want to go against it but if you actually kind of had a good relationship with the person or you enjoyed mm-hmm. going or you felt some benefit out of it or Maybe there's like this whole emotional thing within within you that's like so trapped up that you can't really like release because you've never had that like outlet, which is 
kind of what brings you back to your eating disorder or like triggers that happen in your life so if somebody actually like took you seriously and exactly whatever the hospital was you just mentioned sometimes i find with hospitals that deal with lots of different um mental health uh disorders i feel like everyone can be like tarred under the same brush and not like treated for their individual needs sometimes if that makes sense like even with you know i've seen things where it's like suicide um attempts and stuff like that where people just get fired to the local like mental hospital and put under watch and all their stuff taken away from them and it kind of like stigmatizes it even further so people don't want to talk about it where it should be treated where it's like you know everything that we've all been saying recently like be kind be kind but it's like how far does that go you know i mean you need to actually put it in place you can't just be telling everyone to be kind all the time um and then on the exact opposite end of the spectrum people who actually have these issues don't get treated kindly at all i think you've you've hit the nail on the head there i think it's finding a balance when you find that person that's going to help you you either have in my lifetime found somebody that's just trying to make you eat and trying to tick a box yeah or you or you have somebody that's focusing on you mentally but not trying to make you eat. if there was a bit of both like like somebody that's maybe been through it and dealt with it and has came out the other end pardon the pun again uh, the better (laughs) better person Uh, it's just my mind in the gutter really but if you could find someone that just understood where you're coming from understands your mindset about things and knows why making a food diary doesn't really work Mm -hmm. and understands why reporting back every week of a food diary is probably a load of rubbish. Well, what did you have for breakfast today? Oh, well, I had Weetabix, uh, and then for lunch I had a tuna baked potato. I could be telling you anything. Yeah, I know, exactly, yeah. It's just, it's one of these things. I've never found anyone with a happy medium and anyone who feels like they're there for me. They're there to do their job and they'll see the next person after you. Mm-hmm. Nobody will ever like check up on you. Make sure you're okay. Send you a wee message on a random Tuesday afternoon just to be like, how are you feeling? There's nobody like that unless you pay for it. Yeah. It's like so specialists sh- with private doctors, don't get me wrong, I could be, I could be cured, <laughs> as they say. But no, I, I don't have the money to go private. That's probably where all the answers lie. And years ago, if I'd just gone to a rehabilitation clinic and paid for it, who knows where I'd be right now? Yeah. It's interesting what you said earlier as well about um, sometimes these things that you could see could be triggers because I can see that actually. Like I haven't, I've never really had uh, an eating disorder myself, but I've had thoughts, if that makes sense, like, you know, like ideas. So I think every teenage girl goes through this. I mean, teenage guys go through it as well, but it's just not as publicized that you just have a weird relationship with food at a certain age and like things that you can see on tv or like weird parts of the internet that are talking about anorexia that don't exactly say it's a negative thing you know they're saying that it's, oh this is what you could do this is how you can hide it there's like youtube channels there's loads of stuff um that's so easy to stumble across as a young person because i used to stumble across it all the time and i'd be like oh what's this about oh what's this about and then you find yourself thinking about it and being like maybe i could start eating less and no one would notice so it becomes like this whole secret that it's almost like a fun thing to do it's almost like a a trend don't get me wrong yeah um, believe me i've been there for ages but now more than ever i know so many other people that have got it or at least got thoughts like yourself or traces of it or maybe body dysmorphia where they look in the mirror and they go oh my god i look huge Mm -hmm. but going back to like my first thing i said was when i was like 15 or 16 i was happy yeah. Eating, dis- eating disorders and diets weren't a thing 
we didn't really grow up with them. And even though I had one at age 17, 18 and 19, not many people did and not many Mm -hmm. people talked about it. So not many people knew how to deal with it. And now, if I was to be the same age now, I reckon there would be an abundance of help because mental health issues, they're everywhere. We talk about them so much more. Back in the day, my mum would howl because she thought she was a bad mum and she didn't want people to know. And I honestly understood where she comes from now because if it was the shoes on the other foot and I had a daughter and she was losing weight, I'd feel like I was not doing something right. And that's how mum felt. And, Mm. you know, the more we kept it quiet and the more I sorted myself out, helped her in a sense because we're from a small town it gets around have you seen Yvonne's daughter oh she's lost an awful lot of weight before you know it comes back to my mum and my mum saying Grace so and so has told me that you look awful and to me I'm like well brilliant great glad I look small because that's what I'm aiming for but you know the sooner it's brushed under the carpet the better back then one because I don't know and two because it's embarrassing yeah, it's, it's interesting because um, I remember on that documentary with uh, Freddie Flintoff, there was the one of the young boys unfortunately died because of bulimia, and he um, he basically told his family about the issue that he had, and then after a couple of weeks of telling them, every time the mum would or dad would mention it or be like kind of looking at him when he went off to the toilet, toilet he would like scowl at them, pretend it's not a thing. And it puts a parent or anybody in a really difficult position because it's like you don't want to be like condescending them and being like, what are you doing there? Why are you going to the toilet? Like monitoring them like they're in prison. Um, But also it's got to the point with that family that he went so far that his stomach erupted or something like that. I thought he had a heart attack. I think it was one of the two. Um, And he died in his sleep. So it's really quite, it must be terrifying for parents to know kind of what to do with this situation. But they're they're also not taught about it. They're not taught... I mean, nobody's talked about it, really. Like, even in school or anything, it was never even mentioned. No, it was, never. It's, it's more like self-discovery, finding stuff on the internet and things like that. It goes back to something you tweeted the other day. If we'd been taught about the important things in life, like taxes and oh, yeah. um, how to do invoices if you're self-employed, uh, chuck in eating disorders and how to get life insurance, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So that's um, the sort of things we should have been taught in school. But we weren't. As, as an older person now, like, coming up to being 30 in a few years I totally understand where everybody's worry was where it lay and where their intentions were with me back in the day like that boy he died there was a point in my life where I I probably would have died if I'd carried on any further Mm -hmm. especially with eating nothing exercising as much as I could and what was the what was the flip then like how did you how did you all of a sudden start like we like weaning off it a little bit what happened I got engaged. I got engaged and thought, well, this is stressful. And I remember thinking, well, I'll need to lose weight for the wedding. Yeah. And I wasn't particularly big when I got engaged. In fact, I was probably just putting a bit of weight on after my worst. So if I'm estimating, I might have been about nine and a half stone. I was over the moon getting engaged. I was chuffed to bits. But as well as that, I had a lot of pressure on me to get my wedding sorted quick everyone's like oh my god oh my god get this done get that done get this done get that done yeah. and I'm like oh my god oh my god so I found myself drinking a lot alcohol wise because it was really really stressing me I booked a venue that didn't know whether they were open or closed and had my money people were phoning me left right and centre I had bridesmaids to pay dresses for I had food to pay for money coming from virtually nowhere I had to again get five jobs energy levels were low five jobs I worked at um, 
West FM. So that was the first one. I worked for a DJ company called Cheeky Entertainment. I also was doing street team work at Clyde's and then moved on to Capel. I was working in the Sunbeds and I Jesus worked at fuck. the SSE Hydro doing merchandise. I then left West and went to your radio doing breakfast. Uh, I just I just kept whatever paid the bills for this wedding, I did. And to keep me going came an awful lot of bad food. Pot noodles, Coca-Cola. And my friend Ian would say to me, how, how do you do it? How do you go from five in the morning through to two in the morning and then start again? And I'm like, I don't yeah. know. I don't know how I do it. The weight was piling on. The stress at the weekends was piling on. And when you oh, get sure. engaged, there's a lot of parties. There's parties to look at dresses. There's parties to look at venues there's free food tastings there's there's exhibitions on with cakes and chocolate fountains and as much as you're trying to lose weight you want to indulge a little bit and enjoy it so I enjoyed it a lot but with the added stress was drinking uh, my Wednesday I was 11 stone as I am now so I mean that was over the course of two years put on about a stone and a half was not happy with how I was on my Wednesday but hey ho looked at my pictures and was like oh god I'd better lose weight but never ever ever went any lower than 10 was yo-yoing back and forth back and forth for years until now mm. so I've never ever gone down the minus where I'm really bad and I've never gone up the plus I'm always like slap bang in the middle go on a diet lose a bit put it all back on again go on a diet lose it put it back on again and I think the engagement and getting married is what I don't know, helped me maybe in a way, but pushed me into the right side of things, put me in the black rather than the red. In a sense, even though I didn't do it particularly well, I could have done it in a healthier way to gain weight and maybe toned up a bit more. But if I want to eat fast food and drink wine, then that's that's what I would do. <laughs> so do you find that at any point that you would binge on food? In the early days, yes. And right now there's a certain element to it so in the earlier days when I was pretty much eating nothing during the week my apple my pepsi max when I had met my boyfriend we would maybe go for a curry or we would go for, do you know what we would do we would sit at lunchtime because I was still in school and he wasn't and have the likes of chips and chili on a Friday because it was a treat and I would have a salad and a cake of empire biscuit and then go along to his house we'd have a Chinese Friday night and Saturday night when I was old enough, we'd go out to the pubs and before you know it, you're having chips and cheese. So everything on the Friday and Saturday became luxury, whether it was breakfast, lunch or dinner. And you'd find yourself eating crazy things. Like I had a carrot cake for breakfast once. A, like a carrot cake. <laughs> oh, a whole, a whole one. Like or... fucking cute drinks, yeah. <laughs> Cutting it throughout the morning, watching the telly, quite the thing. Happy as Larry. Once you've ate it, you're like, oh no. Fuck, yeah. H- how do I get rid of this? I'm going out tonight. And then you would just take tablets or, well, no, there wasn't or. You took tablets to get rid of it. And if you timed it well enough, you'd get it done before you headed out that Saturday night. Does it... I think everyone listening has taken a laxative in their life, so I know how they work. And I'd say, like, I think everyone's had it, you know, when they're feeling a little bit too bloated and you have a laxative. So I had... would, like, have a heavy strength Seneca or something like that. And then I wouldn't really feel anything. And it would be kind of more the next morning that I'd be like, oh, my God. But if you had however many you had six, ha- like when I took 16 it didn't take long so how does it what, what, what is it in them that makes them like I can imagine it wouldn't take long fucking hell 16 
Quite a um, lot of them. I don't know about the chocolate bar one because I never, ever, ever took that apart yeah. from tasting it once. But I know that the likes of Senna and Dulcalax have like natural things inside them. Like Senna is a natural, like Senna is the, the leaf or the, the the thing that makes it really, really easy to go. So yeah. it's got a lot of that in it. I don't know too much about it. All I do know is that if you take it, it takes 8 to 12 hours on a regular person um, to see you through. So you would take it before bedtime and in the morning you would get up and you yeah. would go. And it lasts maybe like half an hour and not the one session, just the way you feel in the morning, your desperate need to go. But um, when I was younger, when I was taking 16 tablets, y- your system goes into overload and before you know it's t- half an hour and off you pop, toilet. Really? And I mean, it's, n- it's no fun in games. It's no s- <laughs> when you take 16, it's not exactly cu- coming out naturally. It's 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 purging you. It's bleeding really? you dry. Oh, it's like, no it's way. awful pain. Oh I, my I, goodness. I can't thankfully remember how bad it feels, but it's like period pain. Yeah. If, if you've be like an, had a, a horrible out of body experience, I guess, like also feeling that and being like, knowing that you've just kind of done it to yourself as well. Mm-hmm. Like it yeah. must have been quite surreal. It was. Um, there was a lovely joy of feeling empty. Like yeah. I, would, I would make sure if I had a night out coming up, right, and I'd taken mine on Friday night and I woke up on Saturday and, you know, totally empty your tank and you wouldn't eat anything else because you want to wear that bodycon dress when they were fashionable on Saturday night and not have a lump and bump showing. Mm-hmm. So there was days where I would have nothing to eat and then go out on an empty stomach and, as I said, I would only drink shots. So... Uh, wouldn't yeah. show up a, a belly so there was there was highs and lows yes you would feel great because you were light as a feather what is it that marla monroe says nothing tastes as good as skinny spin feels. feels yeah seen like that. all that goes through your mind and you think to yourself oh well feel fucking great bring it on yeah but you're starving mm-hmm. you're bloody starving you're activated by everything people piss you off leave me alone don't touch me mm-hmm. i'm really pissed off and then it's not till the next day when you're hung over or you're chilling out if you've not been out in the sauce and you get to sit and eat as much as you want you find yourself back in that spiral better take my tablets again yeah when i look back on it i think i wonder what would have happened if those two people hadn't made those remarks do you think it was that then do you think do you think that was what really kicked you off those two remarks the only reason i know is is because i remember them clear as day yeah that's what i mean like that's that's pretty intense to get such a serious thing from i know that like obviously it's not a nice remark but um it must have really must have really stuck in your head sort of thing the, the one with the boyfriend, I remember being with my friend Kirsty. it was a late night and, you know, when we were younger, you hung about the streets all the time. This boy was far older than I was. Or oh, FYI, he did ask me back out again when I was skinny, brown, <gasps> I said no. Um, Yay, I good. Tur- turning to my friend Kirsty's boyfriend at the time and saying, what have you got her for her Valentine's Day? And him saying what he'd got. I was like, well, you got Grace. Are you getting her flowers now? Are you getting her chocolate? No, she's had too many of them. That's horrible. That's actually really horrible. Being in his white punto that night, tooting about, saying, excuse me, can you drop me off at my house? Him going, why? Drop me off. And I'm like, because I'm finished with you. Everybody was like, she's an absolute cunt. She finished with him on Valentine's Day. And my friend Kirsty. I thought people would have been like, woo, because she said that about you. Only my friend Kirsty knew. Uh It was just me and my friend Kirsty and the two boys. And we'd overheard 
jumped in the car with them because laps was cool back then and Kirsty <laughs> yeah. was like laps you of do town. realize why she's just jumped out of the car and you know kudos to her because we weren't the best of friends back then we we're just pals and yeah. we just happened to be going out with the same boys that are friends and she's like because you called her fat and we heard it and she got out of the car and she came to my house and sat with me and she could have stayed with her wee boyfriend at the time um but she yeah. didn't and I can remember it I remember coming into my house and telling my mum and my mum said well thank fuck we didn't like him anyway he mm. was a lot older than I was you know coming home with love bites wasn't cool oh no <laughs> oh god that but, was something everybody had when they were younger and it was so yeah. embarrassing to think back isn't it oh it just being there and remembering it all and thinking to myself I'll show you yeah I'll show you and then do you know what really bugs me I did so well doing it healthily I, who knows maybe I could have carried on doing it healthily I just I remember exactly the remark that girl made we all used to walk as a group down the street and we all couldn't fit on the pavement and there must have been about maybe eight or nine or ten of us at the same time in a group because we were a clique and we were just opposite my mum's work and she works in a court and we were just opposite and we were talking about the girl that was going to the rehabilitation centre the next day and she was saying bye people and when she turned around and said it's you that did that stopped you know they did what it was me that made that girl get oh yes disorder. of course yeah, yeah i kept yeah. encouraging her to come back to the gym i'll see you tomorrow are you coming tomorrow uh, i remember stopping in the middle now we weren't the only group of people walking down the street for lunch or walking home whenever it may be so people kept bumping into me and i i remember it was like something that i filmed just standing there still going was it me nobody checked to see nobody checked to see where grace was and why she wasn't with the group anymore and I just went left and went to my mum's work. Did she? I didn't tell, I didn't tell my mum or anything like that. Like, no. Those girls were toxic now I look back and I'm glad I'm not friends with them. Yeah. But I wondered if they hadn't said it, would I have continued to diet healthily? Probably not. No. Probably not. I think it would have got me none, like either way. Yeah. But that was just enough to push me over the edge because I remember going to the gym and thinking, I feel bad about this maybe it is my fault and exercising more and more and more yeah it's like punishment for yourself almost yeah but at the time I wouldn't be saying oh I'm going to punish myself like some people do know they're punishing themselves but in a way I suppose maybe I was feeling the guilt a little bit because she wasn't there anymore and I'd seen her all summer and got on with her really well Mm -hmm. Uh, people were telling me that she was doing jumping jacks in the back of the classroom when the teacher wasn't there just to get a bit extra exercise in and then eventually I'd be doing stuff like that too thinking maybe it did influence her did she ever get better that girl? Uh, I don't want to use the phrase get better but she definitely got healthier and sorted sorted some stuff out that's for sure but you know if I had followed in her footsteps I reckon that would have been the right choice for me but like everything else I wouldn't maybe be doing a radio show if I'd yeah. taken a year out, like, got to be the right place, the right time. My, yeah. my life might have not planned out like that. It's just one of those things. It's crazy what think... your brain thinks as well. Like, you, you think oh, yeah. of everything over, the, like, the fact that you might have an issue. Like, I guess for a long time you probably thought that it was well under your control to do everything. Oh, and yeah. then we don't actually realise that, you know, you can't have a day without um, a laxative. So it's like kind of started to do the the u-turn and and flip on you and take over you i'd be in the supermarket checking the backs of tins to see which one had the less calories in it to the point where you name a fruit vegetable piece of food i would know like that how many calories were in it yeah and how much fat was in it 
and I was on my outlook.com emails the other day just deleting things and I went right back to the point where I thought I'll start from the beginning and work my way the other way and I found a girl that I used to go to school with asking me for diet help and I looked at the diet plan I gave her I hope to god she didn't do it really scary it was like an apple and a yogurt if you don't have a yogurt don't worry about it just eat the apple <laughs> like something that's no way and then lunch would be a soup and a roll if you can have the roll without the butter please have the roll without the butter if you can have no roll at all that's even better beans oh my god <laughs> beans and toast for your dinner don't use this variety it's got blah 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 and I was like I really hope that girl didn't do it I yeah. really hope but like I didn't even really know that girl that well and she must have seen me losing weight and thinking oh my god I want to lose weight yeah. I want to do it too just like I did with that girl that went to rehab I followed her I kept doing what she was doing we were all passing the baton on in a really unhealthy bad spiral of self-control yeah <laughs> no idea what the hell we were doing with our lives apart from as long as we were skinny, it would be fine. It was all all like the rage back then as well, because I can remember when you were younger, it would be like um, all the models and everything. It wasn't really Instagram back then. It was like just like magazines and stuff and like TV and all of the models would be stick thin and you see things like uh, America's Next Top Model. And back then, like, if you actually watch that show back, it's actually really bad. Like mm. um, Tyra Banks is like basically calling size six people fat and you know comment on every little little bit of them and i think it's difficult to keep your mental strength strong when you're young and you're kind of influential and people are telling you like you know the comment that that guy made about you that you need to stop eating the chocolates and stuff like that and it's like things like that if someone said that to you this age you'd be hurt but you'd be like fuck off but yeah. like when you're younger yeah but when you're younger you're so easily like influenced by everything and I mean, like, you know, now people are influenced by things too, but I think on things like Instagram as well, people are more, like, editing themselves and there's, like, a new thick trend and things like that as well. So it's not just about being skinny. Yeah, so it's like, well, that's interesting. Yeah. Like, you, I see so many more young girls these days being like, well, you know, big is beautiful, bring it on and, yeah. and flaunt what you've got. But I'll be honest as much as I want to say things influenced me from like the media and stuff like that the only thing that made me want to lose weight was being accepted by my group of friends really I think as long as I was like thin just like they all were then I would fit in better and boys would like me and I would have this popular profile to the end of the day it's all about like proper high school musical days like I want to be popular I want to be the it girl I was friends with loads of people anyway when I was curvier and bigger and I, I don't know what happened and I'll tell you this the thinner I got the more horrible I was the meaner I was total mean girl like the popular girls weren't nice to people they were always really really rude and uh, maybe had like yeah. a bit of a, a bit of a thing against folk that were doing better than them so but most of the time they were gorgeous and yeah. I wanted to be exactly that I wanted to be the pretty girl with the friends and looking back it's so not worth it like mm-hmm. just go to school get your education have a bit of fun crack on with shit like that when you're older when yeah. you've not got all this pressure but you know the school's, school's quite toxic if you think about it a battlefield man yeah <laughs> it's really fending for like just getting through the day really sometimes 
it's interesting because I don't want to put any names on it but you know those girls aren't skinny anymore and they love themselves like they yeah. are so, so confident and flaunting what they got and looking great and then unedited pictures and really happy in their lives and where am I I am happy to a certain extent with how things are going with like yeah. my relationship and all that it's great buying a house and getting a car yeah but how I look no I am not happy in the slightest there's so much I would change about myself but I've let myself corrupt my mind through things like popularity and apparently finding this be all and end all happiness that I never ever got that will come it's, with losing more and more weight yeah exactly losing yeah. weight doesn't make you happy it's like what they say you could have a million pounds but what really do you have apart from a million pounds do you yeah. have happiness do you have a, a family do you have a life no sometimes you just have a million pounds yeah uh, you might exactly. just be skinny at the end of the day like so I'm quite I'm, I'm, I'm I'd like to say at the end of this I am quite happy with how I am right now I would like to say I'm 75% normal but there's still that wee bit of me that will continue to do this until something in my life changes and Mm. I think I know what will change it and I'm not ready for that right now what is it if I have a baby oh really do you think so it's like my mum when she was smoking as soon as she found out she was pregnant she stopped really wow loads loads of people I find like that like if I have a baby, if I found it right now I was pregnant, I wouldn't take them from now on. Because you knew that it would affect the baby? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why I think sense. like that. Well, I suppose it's just like oh, the right thing to do. But yeah. it would be enough for me to just turn off. I'm in no way ready for a child. No way, not for a long time. But part of me is like, well, if it helps me. I always worry, like, if I keep doing it, will I get bowel cancer yeah, is it worth fuck. my while have you had you a Google look at your it. belly recently like have you had like that tube thing recently to see how it's get, like getting on <laughs> never again me I have spoke to my boyfriend about where I go from here and he does say I need to stop like coming up with excuses oh I can't I can't deal with it now I've got something on I've got an, an yeah. appearance now lockdown was the perfect opportunity to have, to have done that but I didn't um, so we both agreed that you know once the world kind of settles back down and we've got a bit more money to spend private doctors is where we're gonna well I think I think like not to um like promote my own podcast but you know the sponsor (laughs) you know the sponsor that sponsors this yeah um it's a charity for uh, mainly um well not even mainly suicide uh, victims um families and stuff like that it's for anybody that's got any mental health problem and um I just started up with a counsellor actually uh, earlier this week because I had um, a counsellor a while ago and I it wasn't really right for me I don't think um, because it was over the phone and things like that and this one mm. was like face to face and just because I've been feeling a little bit like low recently and there's a few different things going on in my old brain um, and it's free so if you should you should have a little look on their little link to see if there's anything that you could maybe do if there's something on, up in Inverness because they've got links around the whole Scotland and I don't think for you is more about what's this like plan to stop taking the laxative and what's the plan for your food. I think it's actually more about the way that you view yourself and how happy you feel about yourself. I think that would be like a good thing for you, actually. I mean, I am surprised I got through all this without crying. Yeah, you, you I did a good job. Do. I'm just, you know, it's embarrassing. Nobody wants to talk about the fact that they kind of go at the toilet. And, like, it's not, though. It's not embarrassing. <laughs> it's so brave, actually. It, it's not embarrassing. It's 
you know, a lot of people listening to this will also be doing things in secret and doing their own things. Mm. And everybody in some scale has got some sort of hidden thing going on, whether it's, you know, an eating disorder or a mental health problem or something that they're bottling up. So the fact that you're speaking about it will be so like beneficial not just to yourself but for people listening and just for the world like everyone needs to be speaking about these things more like i think once i'd seen that freddie flintoff thing i was like well i'm in two frames of mind i don't want to jump on the bandwagon and be like me too uh, but the other half of me was like oh, i gotta do it man just get it out of the way yeah and i thought like i'm obviously i work on the radio and i'm no way comfortable with broadcasting it on that platform i mean i'm there to waking everybody up and get you ready for the day and get you buzzing i'm not there to tell you about your toilet habits you're you're there to pretend that you're a happy person all the time Woo! i know i know which is it's self-destructing in its own kind of fashion but yeah i did think about doing the radio and opening up but it's just not the right time or place and then there's been many times I thought well I'll I'll maybe on like a a national bulimia day or eating disorder day post about it on Facebook but again like and I am the most social media friendly lassie like Mm -hmm. I I love posting things why am I not wanting to do it and I just I just think it's this this the sheer embarrassment that, that comes along with it and the whole I don't want people to talk about me too much kind of thing. I think but it at comes the same with the, time, yeah. I think it comes with being like we're both on the on the radio. I think it comes with You're totally exposed if you did, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, like, and like you kinda want like you're kind of expected to hold up this image, I guess. Mm-hmm. And it was the same throughout like lockdown, like like seeing my family or when my brother died last year, it's like you you can't go on the radio and be sad. You, you, yeah. you can't be because your, your duty is to make everybody happy so you know put your personal life you know, back in your box and carry on and have your work front on mm-hmm. and I suppose it's the same with the eating disorder like I'm yeah. not going to mention it at all if not ever it just it's just not something I would I would bring up so I thought your wee podcast coming on and you know just talking to somebody that I know without anybody watching and people can listen if if they want Mm -hmm. if it's something they feel will help or they just want to maybe just have a little look into my life or just listen to somebody else then I thought that this would be the the most appropriate way to do it without forcing it onto anybody yeah but still letting me have that sense of relief that I've actually done it (laughs) yeah and I also think that like the more we see like little snippets of things here and there um, I mean, actually, when I watched that documentary, I was like, wow. My instant thought was, I'm talking about Freddie Flintoff here. My instant mm-hmm. thought when I watched it was like, oh, I never would have thought he would have bulimia. And then I was like, why am I even saying that to myself? Like, who looks the like they yeah, have bulimia? You, like, nobody. But that's the thing. You just, I didn't know him as a, a chunkier a man when he was like a little bit heavier. No. And I've only ever known him... Do you know what? That's a, a really good point that I'm just about to make. <laughs> Go, Grace. But you look at <laughs> Freddie Flintoff and you sometimes only know him the way he looks now. Uh, loads of people know me the way I look now and have never, like yourself, seen me at eight and a half stone or 16 and mm-hmm. think, no way. That's so unimaginable. There's no way that could have happened. You're making it up. And you're like, you're a total different person to so many different people. Like the people back home yeah. are like, oh yeah, I remember when Grace was like that. I remember when Grace was like that. And I'm sure there's people in Freddie Flintoff's life that were like that. And I was the same as you, sat back going, yeah, why, you would never associate him with that. But you just don't know what's happening with people behind closed doors, as they say. Exactly, yeah. Exactly, it's and there's so, so many people um, that could 
potentially be going through their own eating disorder and you would never know like you know sometimes actually it's interesting because I've always thought to myself like if someone's lost weight I'll always be like oh you look good and I've always kind of upheld the idea of like you know people like to be complimented people like to be complimented but sometimes if if somebody is going through something like that and you say oh you look great I guess that means that they are reinforced that they should continue their eating disorder so it's such a fine line of you know yeah. what I mean? It's so difficult. Looking good and looking bad in a thin sense was just brilliant. Like, it was, it was bizarre. I, well, it makes sense because if it all was triggered from that guy um, who made a, like, derogatory comment about you and you would have not mm. felt very cared for at that point. So you're probably no, trying to get that back. It was the whole revenge. And don't get me wrong, revenge was sweet, but it came with a price. And the price was my health mm-hmm. physically and my health mentally. And look at me now. Like, I do always sit back and wonder what if, what if, what if. But it wouldn't have made me the person I am today and I probably wouldn't be in the job with the person I'm with. It, it all adds up. So I can thank it, but I can also loathe it at the same yeah. time. And you're a strong person. So you'll, you know, you. I like get... to put a bit of a laugh on it. Like people say, "Well, I like, take it seriously," and I'm like, "No, this is my coping mechanism. Like, if I don't laugh, I'll cry, and if exactly. I do laugh it off, it makes me feel a bit more confident myself. Like, if I was sat here crying, you wouldn't really get much out of me. You wouldn't know what I was saying, and I suppose I, it would make me feel more inclined to do it more and yeah. to not get better. Whereas if I'm laughing and joking it off, giving myself a bit of a kick in the arse and come on, Grace, get your, get your shit sorted, yeah. uh, then I will. You know, I'm keeping it positive. And I, what I would just say to people is, you've no idea how bad this is going to be. No idea. I want to be able to say one day that I can have kids and live a normal life Mm. there's still a high possibility that might not happen it depends what I've done to my body I won't know till I get pregnant but there's a huge chance it might not work for me because of what I've done Mm -hmm. I can't eat certain foods I feel a certain way I I just am mentally disturbed whenever I look in the mirror it's not a fun way to be you're constantly touching yourself your head's a fucking mess Mm -hmm. and it's just not worth it for that one hour of feeling thin it's not worth it in the slightest it's not worth the money you spend on tablets it's not worth the the time that you invest in over exercising or buying that little treat to you know purge on and eat so much of it's not worth it just do it in a healthy way because it can be done and you will live a healthier and longer life if you Mm do and nobody told me that at the start because well nobody could nobody was there to do that nobody knew to say that but if I could tell my younger self something it's don't fucking do it and be stupid not because you're young and you don't know what you're doing but this is going to destroy your body Mm -hmm. and like I want to have a kid one day but I know that my my chances are so slim they're very slim and it's not until I'm I'm mid baby that I'll know if things will go well or not yeah it's terrifying like yeah. if my body doesn't work this baby's body's not going to work is it so yeah exactly a, and then you know, fast forward a few years when you do want a baby and you've snookered it for yourself i think it's it's about just understanding people like and understanding that everybody's got something going on behind closed doors and just being i think we should ha- just have a lot more conversation about this sort of thing and like make it a bit more normalized because there's not actually that much out there about it 
like even though we're in 2020 there's still not that many things about eating disorders compared to like other things in the world um we're focusing a lot more on you know eating disorders for men and stuff like that i i feel like you know narrow casting it like that is just not it's not helpful but it is helpful don't get me wrong helpful for guys but at the same time let's put as much time and effort into it as there is for girls let's just let's just not put a whole gender on it let's just talk about it mm-hmm. overall like it's a thing this is how it affects both of us let's sort it out let's talk about it how are we gonna live through it yeah not as embarrassing as it could be you know like i, I said to you last night i was like oh my god it's so embarrassing i don't know how i'm gonna feel about it i'm so apprehensive i'm so nervous but like haven't done it like you feel better now it wasn't that bad honestly it, no definitely the only thing bad is like like how i am now and that's nobody's fault but my own but you'll get through it though and you seem to be on a much better track than you were um yeah, i would and... have never at the start thought could be able to be able to flip reverse it yeah like a, a lot of people say you can reverse the signs and the symptoms of diabetes if you eat properly and stuff like that you can reverse how badly an eating disorder has affected your body you've just got to be mentally prepared to do it exactly yeah exactly i think that's what it comes down to at the end isn't it it's like being mentally prepared not like forcing yourself to do any drastic changes but just kind of like slowly implementing them and just kind of being kind to yourself at the end of the day as well mm-hmm. i think it's going to come to a point where i'm going to have to take a bit of time for myself whether yes. it's just not going places like going to work that's fine i'm quite ha- lucky that you know nobody sees me at mm-hmm. work and you know all of the events have been cancelled so now is a great time where i just take some time myself and maybe don't go to the gym or go to the pub and i just let my body restart like a yeah a bit of self-care yeah exactly yeah i mean i don't drink enough water and yes water does hurt my stomach if i drink too much of it but if i'm in the comfort of my own home with nobody to see or judge that could just be the thing that i need it's just never been the right time so there'll never be a right time that's the thing so you gotta just push yourself off that bridge and hope you come back up well thank you so much for being so open grace because honestly like you've taught me quite a lot today like i thought that i knew quite a lot about bulimia and anorexia and different things but i guess everyone's story is completely different and i think it's so everything that you've said is just so um helpful as well for anybody that might be listening that's got their own worries um and just being so honest about it, I just think that's absolutely amazing. So thank you so much. Hey, thank you for having me. I hope it made sense. Story's not very linear. It's not very well, straightforward. It's back, forth, round the corner and then up again. So <laughs> as long as it can maybe even help somebody a little bit, then that's all that matters. I definitely would have. Thank you so, so much, Grace. Thank you so much to Grace for that extremely personal take on her eating disorder experiences over her life. It was so brave and so honest and something that I think should be spoken about openly. We need to be speaking about this not as if it's a taboo topic, but something that literally millions of people across the world deal with on a day-to-day basis and need help with. If you think you might be experiencing something similar, please open up to a family member, a friend or GP and I'll leave some links in my podcast episode description if you need any help with your own struggles. And thank you so, so much to Grace again for your honesty and incredible conversation please if you enjoy my podcast give me a rating and review on whatever podcast streaming service you use it would be hugely appreciated and i'll see you next time